America. My name is Amiel Seifenpong. I come to you live every Thursday about this time. And I'm going to do a quick show about why religion matters because people often denigrate religion and rightfully so because it's often been used as the guiding principle for a lot of histori history's atrocities or uh, <laughs> I've been on the wrong side of a great many battles on both sides of a great many battles. And so it's easy just to denigrate religion wholesale. But um, I, I think it's important for a few different reasons. And, you know, Hegel agrees in some ways. But I'm going to just give you the arguments without doing all of the footnotes um, and, and, and see how the arguments fly for you. You have to think about religion the way that I use Wikipedia, right? I'm very busy. I try to do a lot of different things. Sometimes I look up, you know, a celebrity or a movie or I don't, instead of watching a movie, I'll just read the synopsis on Wikipedia, right? So I use Wikipedia because I am very busy and I want to be very good at certain things. So I don't, I can't research everything. So I just look at Wikipedia or Google, right? So this isn't for things that like are very, very, that are, that are particular, that I have to be, you know, excel, excellent at, and that means excel better than everyone else. So I can be valuable to the community, but for things I just need to know, um, uh, I, I can look at Wikipedia. You have to think about religion as being kind of like Wikipedia for ethics, right? You could study philosophy and you could even study philosophy for decades and get to insights the correct way, or you could just read, you know, Matthew or Mark 1620, um, when he says that, you know, the, the greatest commandment is to, to love your neighbor, love God above everything else, and then love your neighbor as you love yourself, right? And then that's actually pretty profound. And if you just deal with that, with that alone without doing all of the background thought about how that's like a revelation of like the intellect in the world and you just kind of think about what is it to love your neighbor as you love yourself and what is it to love god above everything else well it says that well maybe material satisfaction is not the most important thing and that there are this kinds of satisfaction spiritual satisfactions that you need to remind yourself or mark is reminding you to pay attention to also to love your neighbor but if you love yourself how you love yourself but what does that mean if you're if the first part of the commandment's gone right so um when i talk about this a lot of people get very excited because they think mark's talking about self-love yes self-love self-care love your neighbor like you love yourself um and so it's important to know how you love yourself and it's very important to know how to love yourself because you don't want people who are bad in a nation that's congenitally bad at loving themselves. That's why we're obese. That's why we have so many problems with all of our relationships. We're literally bad at loving ourselves. We're even literally bad at raising our own children. Um, and insofar as our children are uh, reflections of ourselves, that's another form of being bad at loving yourself. That's not an injunction. I mean, that's not a, a, a request, an imperative to love your neighbor badly if you love yourself badly it's, you should actually think about what self-love means in a responsible way as opposed to you know self-pleasuring right we're very good at pleasuring ourselves we're very good at loving ourselves so when people you know i say this and like i said people go too quickly and they just think i'm talking about self-love and that kind of like self-pleasuring that some people confuse for self-love and um I, you know that's <laughs> like yeah, uh, self-love comes with discipline, 
and it comes with you know kind of you know being kind of hard on yourself and and having purpose and all of that stuff in a way that self-pleasuring doesn't so a lot of people a lot of other people who talk about self-love are really talking about self-pleasuring and they just want an excuse to self-pleasure but if you're actually talking about self-love it's it's it gets a little bit um you just have to talk about how fasting is part of self-love and how like these disciplining measures are part of self-love and what it means to actually um love someone as you love yourself if you know what self-love means means you're kind of hard on them because you love them right and this is what self-pleasurers <laughs> also the same people who are flatterers and they tell other people exactly what they want to hear because they want to hear it just like they do what they they do to themselves what they want to do to themselves because they want to do it to themselves and these are like you know usually pretty awful people both to themselves and to others just in a non-obvious way right so you can get into all of these kind of interesting conversations if you just just starting with mark you don't have to do the reasoning um and and kind of derive it from pure reason right so it's kind of a shorthand or cliff notes for ethical life and i think the bible you know don't underestimate the bible you know a lot of people do um don't underestimate the bible you know i'm you know i could be talking about king james bible don't underestimate the bible there's a reason why you know i teach my kids how to pray and 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 why we work through bible verses just don't underestimate it and don't underestimate the spirituality um the virtue of spirituality because if you if you do underestimate the virtue of spirituality you will find yourself being moved by markets and smaller appetites appetites that don't express the whole of who you are and um and that don't encompass appetites that don't encompass the whole of who you are you'll find very persuasive and you won't have any sort of resource to kind of extricate yourself from the pleasures of those appetites right so you need some sort of spiritual discipline because we're more than just appetitive creatures like with our bodily appetites we have other appetites that are intellectual and spiritual and and we need to justify those and think through those um using our intellect and kind of our spiritual nature right so um and if you don't have time to do all of that you know you can just do what the bible tells me so right you can just do it that way and in a lot of ways that's fine right we still consider ourselves a self-governing nation even though like not even congressmen read the 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 zillion page um text of bills right so it, the, the shorthand is fine for a nation of busy people who are trying to excel at other particular things right we're trying to excel at other particular things and if if you do try to excel at other particular things and don't have a spiritual background a spiritual tradition then you'll screw up in in some of the more meaningful relationships if you watch my show at all you know i think that most people are horrible parents um yeah I, I think most people are horrible parents i don't i don't know if most people are horrible employees but i know i do think that because parenting's hard right and unless you actually study and think through what it means to like birth another not like biological human but a person in in society who's responsible um, who themselves can parent, but also, you know, can function as a member of the community and also participate in politics and govern 
then you're not and like you know think about freedom in a in a particular way you're not doing parenting very well so i don't think most people do parenting very well they don't take it even if they don't take it seriously enough they don't know how but one way you can do parenting pretty well and still not and still be kind of thoughtless is if you're religious right you know one of the it's not an accident that like the supreme court is made up of jews and catholics the supreme court is made up of jews and catholics you can look it up jews and catholics those are not the most populous religious religions in the united states but they are religions that take like you know the orthodox forms very seriously and you know there's also kind of a textual concern that's a matter but like with catholics you know they weren't even reading the bible themselves until vatican ii so it's it's just religions that take tradition seriously so you can get a critical mass of people who are actually good people even if they don't through the culture even if they are thoughtless themselves if they just kind of follow the rules of the culture they'll end up okay so it's it's like a good religion is necessary for a thoughtless people <laughs> And it actually a great religion will actually be necessary for thoughtless people, but also encourage those thoughtless people to think. Right. So uh, since we're all very busy doing, trying to excel in our own particular ways, some people trying to make money, some people like you need a religion to give you the cliff notes about not how, how not to squander like some very important aspects and relationships in your life meaningful relationship, meaning squander your life and squander meaning in your life, right? And the same reason we tell kids to say please and thank you before they know what please and thank you is. And we teach kids a pledge of allegiance before they know what pledging an allegiance is. And then as they grow, they kind of work through it. And whether they want to say it or not, or want to kneel or, you know, they work through it, but they have content to work through. So we need to give people ethical content to work through as opposed to just assuming that they'll come to it by magic, by nature. Right? This is what liberals do. This is why thoughtless liberals are worse than thoughtless conservatives in terms of maintaining, or worse parents, or in terms of maintaining important relationships. At least thoughtless conservatives have a tradition to rely on. You can be a thoughtless Catholic or a thoughtless Jew and still be a better parent than being a thoughtless liberal who just kind of assumes like, you know, it'll happen. Because if you're a thoughtless liberal, you're just letting the market dictate um, the choices you have. And you're not even you're not even uh, parenting your kid. You're letting the kid's own feelings dictate. It's a very, very liberal parenting is a great responsibility shift. <laughs> like you, like you don't know what to do in life or with children. And so you just make everything the child's responsibility and fault. Right. So thoughtless conservatives, insofar as everyone's thought those both camps are thoughtless, like it's bad. But if you're going to be a thoughtless parent, I think the conservative ones do a better job because they have a tradition to rely upon, especially if the tradition is um, actually gets you to engage with kind of a text that's been worked through, right? So like it's not an, ex it's not a, it's not an accident that there are so many Supreme Court justices that are, you know, Jews and Catholics. Um, and, you know, I mean, yeah, I spent most of my life in academia in some form or another. And it's not a, it's not a surprise that, you know, Jews and Catholics are overrepresented in, in higher education, in high, in higher things, <laughs> in law in like in higher things, because you get a critical mass of people who are just enculturated correctly. Um, even if they don't quite understand 
and everybody else is just a hack parent. Not everybody else, but a lot of other people are just hack parents, especially, like I said, especially liberals. And if you're a hack parent, it's hard to be much of anything. If you were raised by hack parents, it's really hard to make something of your life um, in competition with people who weren't raised by hack parents. Right? So, I, I, so, you know, these religious traditions are, are actually pretty good heuristics to, even if you're a hack, even if you're thoughtless, you can still do, you can still kind of do the job, even if you don't understand what you're doing, by following tradition. And that's not necessarily the worst or even most unvirtuous thing if you have other, if, like, if you know that you have to spend your life doing this other thing, this job, um, but you also want kids, like, it's not the worst thing in the world to be religious and then ha raise your kids in the tradition because that way the tradition does a lot of your heavy lifting for you while, you know, you focus on the particular talent that you need to kind of grow. That's better than just ignoring the religion and focusing on the talent and hoping that, like, you'll have money for rehab when that comes in. So I'm going to hit the opening and then um, kind of go through a few more arguments. To the beach, oh. So I, I, uh, I got in a little trouble last week because I said, I appreciate dare the, the you know, the anti-drug campaign that was rampant when I grew up in the eighties. Uh, in the 90s, and now it's a little bit déclassé. And I said, I, you know, I appreciate Dare because, you know, it told me not to do drugs. And it was nice to have someone tell you when I was young, like instill in me not to do drugs. Protect your mind because nobody else, that's something nobody could take you. That's something my dad told me. Protect your mind because that's something nobody can take from you. <laughs> three days, uh, three years later, uh, my mom took his kids from him. But he still retained his mind. Um, and, I, you know, I appreciated Dare. And so I always feel some sort of way when people malign dare because had I messed around with drugs or drinking or anything like that, like my whole life would be so much worse, so much worse. And you know, I was talking with my wife about this and, and her family's a little bit dicey too. And for, for different reasons, but she, she liked dare too. And she had says like, yeah, if I'd messed around with that even a little bit, like the, the floor is low. <laughs> for 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 people so I, i'm a fan of dare and even that commercial with the guy who sounds like macgyver saying this is your brain this is your brain on drugs any questions i didn't have any questions i thought that was pretty clear and i actually when my kids come home in about 20 minutes i'm going to show them that commercial and then ask them if they have any questions because i actually think that the image is powerful even if you don't quite understand um even if you don't quite understand the 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 horror of that image might beat the satisfaction of like the prospect of a one-time high same with those peer pressure ads and those peer pressure like uh psas or like very special episodes of whatever family ties or whatever that like or um the one with sievers the sievers anyway the very special episodes with uh with the peer pressure and like those even work because then when my life, 
when I saw, when I was being pressured by my peers to do bad things, I was like, this is so, this is like a cliche show. Like, of course I'm going to say no, because like you guys are acting like the cliches. Most people act like the cliches. So if you want to rear your kids against the cliches, that's not the worst place to start because most people are not particularly creative. So they end up coming off like the cliches. Um, I try not to do cliche work here, try to give it to you from a, a different angle. So if you appreciate what I do, go ahead and go to www.funkyacademic.com and kick in five, 15 or $50 a month because, um, you know, not a lot of people are going to do a whole show on how dare was actually a good thing. Now, most, most people are too cool to admit that dare was a good thing in general, maybe not for everyone. Maybe some people like, you know, laughed at it, but you know, it worked for me and I wasn't the only one. And we can't just assume that everyone has the cultural content to not become an addict or not like try something they shouldn't try or, or that everyone, we don't want people to have to fail the lesson. That means, you know, try the crack, um, before they learn, fail the final exam before they learn the lesson. Dare taught you <laughs> the lesson. And then when you take the test, you could pass the test. Right, so I'm a fan of Dare. I, I think cultural education is important. It might not be the end all be all. You might need more muscular um, deterrence, but I do think that it's important that it was in the culture, and I'm grateful that it's in the culture. Now, I think one of the reasons that Dare has a hard time in, in contemporary culture is we have a, a culture of people who just take pills for all sorts of mood <laughs> mood reasons. So if like half your siblings are on some sort of ADD medication to, to quiet their mood and help them focus and mom's on some sort of medication, then it's hard to tell kids to, to stay off drugs when like their house is full of pills and everyone's medicated for some sort of reason, right? So that's something that's changed in the intervening 20 years, 25, 30 years since I've been in school. Like we just have a casual attitude with medication for to fix our problems, our mental problems, right? And like, we have pills that make us happy. Like we have, so that culture, you can't, it's hard to have that culture and a dare culture that says like, don't do drugs or just say no. When you have, you know, when your mom's giving you a, 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 a fistful of pills to take every day because you have some sort of disability, right? Like, or some, you know, medically diagnosed disability. So that's, I think the culture of just like, honestly, you know, people get on me because I talk about women, but you know, culture of mothers taking pills isn't going to lead to a drug-free culture. So either we have to ask ourselves, do we want a culture of mothers taking pills or do we want a drug-free culture? And we decided that we want a culture of mothers taking pills. But just in general, the religion as kind of a, a counterbalance to market influences and market forces is actually very important right? Like the market's not going to tell you to fast necessarily because they want to sell you things. It might tell you to get a BBL or a, or a waist trainer or something like that, but it's not going to tell you to fast in the way that some religions do. We, I say this because we're in the middle of Lent, right? And a lot of people give up something for Lent and that's good that we have a spiritual discipline that tells you actually the satisfaction you get from eating chocolate or swearing or eating, you know, isn't, um, isn't the highest satisfaction. So to kind of recalibrate yourself, we're going to put it in the religious practice so that you fast. Lest your other satisfactions, you start getting addicted to them and start not wanting to give them up. 
Um, so like just to remind you about the spiritual satisfactions that are not um, of the our animal functions because you know animals in nature don't fast <laughs> for Lent. Um, just to remind you, we're going to put this in our religious culture, which is fine. And you don't have to, and people don't need to know that like that's what's going on. They just know that during Lent, I'm supposed to fast, during Ramadan, I'm supposed to do. But that's still, it's a, it's a kind of cultural training that you can get through religion if you're focused on other things. We're all very busy people, right? We can't research everything. So I think a robust tradition and a robust religion, and that reminds you that like, you know, I, I always talk about the Haggadah because I, I, I do think the Seder meals are like, it's, it's just a beautiful, like, well-put-together ceremony that, like, with its own internal critique, the four wise children, and then, like, the idea that, like, you think you're one person, but you're actually a member of a community, and part of what it is to be a community is to do this, uh, to interrogate each other about the text in this way, and um, don't let your senses deceive you because they'll tell you that you'll feel like you're one person, but you're actually part of a community. And when you remove yourself from the community and the tradition, you're actually doing damage to yourself in like a non-obvious way, but like, but a true way, like all of that can come through in a meal in a, in one Yom Kippur meal. Um, so I, you know, I, uh, I, I have a lot of respect for religious traditions and I do think they're an important heuristic to help us be better at things we can't be experts in. And we can't be experts in everything. We can't be experts in everything. But there's like ethical stakes in being a good parent and being a good employee and being a good citizen and caring for art and having and being a good friend. And but you also need like to develop a trade. So if you spend all that time developing a trade and you don't like go through all of the intellectual work of learning through thought alone how to be a good family member and all that stuff. Then like you have a tradition that takes care of all of that stuff and you could focus on being a trade and you'll still not screw up your life and be, or be a burden for those around you. Cause make no mistake, someone who's ill taught, like is not just a problem for themselves. They're a problem for anyone who happens to be in a relationship with them. Um, and that's a problem. And Someone who is well-taught might be a blessing just because they're well-taught, <laughs> like for no other reason. Like maybe they just kind of fumble through all their teaching, but because they're well-taught, you know, they become a judge, right? Um, like it's, it's, yeah, we underestimate the importance and the, just the variety of skills and insight you need in order to be a functional person and that that could be delivered through a religion and faith rather than necessarily all through directed study means that you could do other things you can excel in other particular things and still be a good person because like you have a robust religious tradition that you draw from and that's better than a liberalism that says that traditions don't matter because then they'll just be appeased by all sorts of untoward satisfactions that are not just bad for themselves, but are bad for everyone around them. And, you know, I've done other videos on how liberals make bad parents. But I will say that thoughtless liberals are worse parents than thoughtless conservatives, depending on the tradition. I mean, it's going to depend on the... A thoughtless conservative in a good tradition is, a, is like so 
so much better prepared to not screw up their kids than a thoughtless liberal. Um, like, that's just, those are just facts, right? So thank you for your time. By the way, if I, uh, if you appreciate what I'm saying, or if you even, you know, just share this video around to all your people. And if you appreciate what I'm saying, go to www.funkyacademic.com, kick in five, 15 or $50 a month. And I'll keep doing what I'm doing because it needs to get done. Well, it should get done. It's making the world a better place. Let me just look at chat real quickly to make sure that, uh, yeah. All right. Yeah. Fasting is good. All right. So good. I'm glad. Um, someone says, I had a teacher, teacher difference between drugs that help and drugs that are illicit. Well, the problem is a lot of people, a lot of doctors out there, there aren't much difference in the dope man. Right. So a lot of doctors, I'm, I'm a, I'm a bit, I'm a hardliner on, on drugs just because, uh, I mean, for a few reasons. One, I think that you have to protect your mind too. I don't think we know how all of this works and I'm not one person to mess around with things that when I don't really know how it works in a way. And three, I know our medicines on the market model. So if you know all the right words to say, if you know, all the right shibboleths or, or all of the, the code words you can get any script you have um uh yeah i okay so i'm a i'm a fan of cbd right um uh yeah so i mean there are cognitive behavioral therapy so there, there are things that like you can do but like a lot of doctors out there are just pill pushers no different than like corner boys or, 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 and pharma companies aren't different from like the dope man. So I, 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 I warn, I, I believe in just saying no and teaching that. And then if there have to be exceptions, you can work them out on a case by case basis, like through your will, like through like reasoning with someone whose check is not tied to you taking pills or, or you coming back. Right. So like work that out with a loved one, as opposed to like your medical practitioner, work it out with a medical practitioner and a loved one because the medical practitioner might just be trying to get a kickback. All right, so, um, thank you for your time. Oh, you, oh, you meant the cannabis. <laughs> Can, okay, so I'm not, I'm not a fan of cannabis. Um, I'm not a fan of cannabis, because, you know, people say that pot doesn't have, doesn't have any effect or anything like that, but I just know, I know some potheads who do a lot of pot and still keep the rapidity of thought and quickness, but I just know a lot of potheads who just slow down, and not just when they're high, just in general. And I can't really deal with slow people. Um, as you can tell by the speed with which I talk, I don't like repeating myself. So I need people who are going to keep up. Um, so I know, I know, uh, I just know what I need in a conversation partner and in a relationship. And I just can't do with, <laughs> can't deal with the potheads. You know, I spent a long time in Northern California, so I know my fair share of potheads. But... I just can't, it's just, there's a cadence that I cannot appreciate. And the, anyway, thank you for your time. I will see you. I'm going to come with another free game on Monday, but uh, I'll see you next Thursday to talk about something more political, right? So this is why there should be, there should be a public support for religion in general, because it, it kind of fills up. It's like spiritual spackle. For those people who are worried about other things um, and want to be worried about other things in their life, but also like don't want to screw up their kids. Um, so religion is a spiritual spackle 
and a tradition and a robust tradition can like save you uh from like your own thoughtlessness right take care bye